Welcome to the Family Business Audiocast on LinkedIn. I'm RM Smith, creator of this Audiocast series. I've been an entrepreneur, investment banker, and board leader for over 25 years. I want to thank the registrants for joining live today on LinkedIn. Family business is a passion of mine, having grown up in a family of entrepreneurs and having engaged for two decades in a wide range of dialogues and businesses with fascinating family enterprises and family firms around the globe. I founded the Family Business Audiocast to offer a useful platform for listeners to hear from veterans, academics, and leaders in family-owned enterprises, family offices, and entrepreneurs themselves. I hope you find these conversations enlightening today. We welcome today Bruce Cavanaugh. Proof, it's really wonderful to have you here today. Thank you for joining and on our uh, being a guest on our Audiocast today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for asking. Yeah. Um, brief comment on our esteemed guest. Bruce collaborates with hundreds of top-tier entrepreneurs, prominent speakers, and authors. His expertise lies in amplifying their unique skills and visibility by pinpointing the core of their insights that resonate the most with others. Bruce holds an MBA from the Wharton School and has shared his innovative ideas at esteemed institutions around the world, such as Wharton, Yale, New York University. As a pioneer among LinkedIn influencers, Bruce boasts over 800,000 followers in the platform and also a dedicated readership of 175,000 for his Mountain Minute newsletter, where he emphasizes career growth through altruism and several hundred thousand overall, including his Distill the Real You newsletter, Center on Leading a Life of Purpose. He's also the founder of Ben Reality, a community of expansive human beings, and has written six books. Recently, one called How to Promote Without Being a Jerk. Finally, a proud member of Marshall Goldsmith's 100 Coaches program, Bruce fully embraces his mandate to be one of the greatest possible service to others. So let's get into it today. Bruce, considering your extensive experience in magnifying talent, how do you think entrepreneurs from family-owned businesses and family firms can elevate their unique insights and value to their own organization? Well, I, I think it's no different than anybody else. Um, and what I found is working with entrepreneurs that if you can focus on what matters most consistently day after day, you will be successful. You'll be fulfilled. You'll feel like you're making progress. That that's an easy thing to say. The the question is, how do you do that? Um, and and the answer also. I mean, for so for I'll give you just a quick example. So each of my each of the clients who are my entrepreneur um, clients, we talk once a week, and I always ask them in some form or another that question: What matters most? What matters most to you? Sometimes people say today, sometimes say in life, sometimes say in their business, sometimes they're founding a new institution, you know, whatever it is, um, if you stop on a regular basis, so in my case with my clients, it's once a week. And first of all, you think about what matters most to you um, out of all the things you're doing, out of all the directions in which you're being pointed, and you formulate an answer. And what, what I found accidentally, it, it, you know, my practice didn't start exactly this way is um, trying to explain this to a person who literally uh, will not stop asking you questions until they fully understand you, until you know, they can repeat it back as well or better than you can, is a profound practice. So whether you choose a coach, a friend, your business partner, your you know, relative, wh whoever it is, um, I, I don't think there's anything that you could possibly do more than on a regular basis, not monthly, not yearly, but at least weekly, and some people do it daily. Uh, ask yourself, what matters most to me? Can I enunciate this for other people? And um, do they understand? 
Right, and that's uh, obviously essential in today's leadership community for uh, the the uh, ninety percent of the U.S. economy uh, really privately held, closely held businesses. Right, so uh, many of those businesses are not as plugged into the digital age or LinkedIn, um, or they may not be as active in the, in the coaching circuit. Um, how would you, how, how do you see these entrepreneurs and in, in, in our case, some of the family owned firms develop trust and utilize uh, LinkedIn in today's digital age in terms of uh, coaching, leadership content, joining boards? Um, maybe you could share some of your, your vast experience in, in leveraging the Sure. I mean, I think there's LinkedIn, like most ways we communicate these days, is um, is really fragmented. And if if you if you look at LinkedIn casually, you can see a lot of people. You know, I don't know. It, they're they're just you know. There's a lot of oh, I made a million dollars in nine months. You can too. How to leverage the platform? How to get a lot of followers? You know. It's just overwhelming, I, I think. Uh, the people who use LinkedIn really well are the people who know, um, if I say to you, who's in your network, who matters to you, um, you're not trying to be you know, a mass market star. You, you, you should have a good sense of, of who it is that cares about you, that you care about, and-, and right. And perhaps extended a bit in terms of people like that. Um, the 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 people I work with that are really uh, have a have a micro community. It doesn't mean it's small necessarily, but it's it's certainly it's a subset of LinkedIn. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's that's the difference. Is is that you know like I some of um, my most successful clients in terms of using LinkedIn. If I said to you who follows you on LinkedIn, they could sit there. And, and named 300 people because they're people they also know in real life. Um, they had know when they've seen them. They look for opportunities to interact and and they have overlapping goals. And, it, you know, so it, it really comes down to relationships. Do you really, I mean, I, I think of it this way. If, if you had, let's say you get 500 people to read something you post on LinkedIn. If you had 500 people in the room with you, what would you do? Would you, you know, have a dialogue with them where you just say, thanks for coming. I really appreciate the like, you know, and so mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot of it's functioning on LinkedIn, like you do in, in real life and really having conversations. And if somebody says something interesting, you know, reach out to them or be welcoming if they want to reach out to you. It, 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 it's, it's just being a human being. That's a good point. The, the genuine factor is um, very important on LinkedIn, especially given the vast B2B community. And I think for family-owned firms, right, family enterprises, family offices that are a bit more private, um, they are increasingly using LinkedIn, but with a bit of skepticism and being very selective, right? So uh, Mm. I like what you said about following certain industries and certain companies and leaders and people that inspire you, because that will then be within your your audience. Um, I've noticed- Can I just jump in and say one thing, Adam, to that? It's so that, you know, among my clients are, for example, like um, people involved in private equity, they are not necessarily, um, you know, by any stretch of the imagination, who you would expect to be seeing uh, using LinkedIn. They're not necessarily using it to get their next deal, but 
um, they still can use it in such a way that they strengthen relationships. They come across people they didn't know, or perhaps, I mean, here's the way I think of it is I can't read your mind. I don't know what's most important to you. I don't know what's going on this month, even perhaps this year. Maybe I talked to you two years ago. It, it, things like LinkedIn are a good way to keep um, that kind of the edges of your network aware of what's most important to you, what you're working on, what you're interested in, so that then you know, synchronicity can happen. People can reach out. I mean, this is how people get jobs. They get deals. It's from the edges of their networks. And yeah. LinkedIn is phenomenal for that. Yeah. So on uh, for your newsletters and your and your books, um, I've I've been going through them and they're very inspiring. Um, Thank so you. I think from an entrepreneurial perspective, with the audience um, being probably held companies that tend to operate in their own circuit, a lot of private companies are between 100 and 500 million of sales, right? So they've been building up for mm -hmm. 10, 20, 50 years, and they're in their comfort zone, but they still want to grow. And they want to learn and expand their network with other leaders um, and inspirational figures like yourself. Um, talk about your newsletters and your approach to, to personal growth. How would you advise family-owned businesses to think about growth within their, uh, within their board, within their, their, their culture and their organization? Um, and what's, what's in those newsletters and, and also your books that you think would be helpful for them? Sure. Um well, first of all, I'm going to answer that two ways. Uh, newsletters on LinkedIn are a great way to do what we were just talking about. That is to to identify, you know, what it is that matters most to you. Who do you want to communicate with, and have a regular way to, um, whether it's weekly or biweekly or monthly, to um, communicate with people on that front. I mean, I just launched my second newsletter, um, Distill the Real You. I only launched it a week and a half ago. Um, it has tens of thousands of people uh, who have subscribed. One of the reasons I think is because um, it's it's very focused on a different top. Mountain Men is about how to do uh, well by doing good. Uh, Distill the Real You is to is about how do you get to the core of who you are as a human being? It's a different topic. They're overlapping to agree, but they're a different topic. If, if you can do the same in your business, whether it's on a LinkedIn newsletter or it's in, you know, just thinking about the relationships and whether they're business or personal or both, uh, that's really important because it gives, if you give people clarity over, for example, I'd like to talk to you next week, next month, um, about here's why, here's what, here's what you can expect from me. The more that people can, you know, not to be, you don't want to be predictable in the sense of boring, but you want to know, here's the boundaries. I'm not going to, for example, one of my boundaries is I, I'm not negative on social media ever. Um, the, the, the three or four times in the last 10 years, I've, I've forgotten that I've instantly regretted it. And yeah. and a lot of what we think of as being oh, constructive or realistic, mm -hmm. you know, I just don't want to do that. I don't need to bring it into the platform. And so, to make for for the you know the people you deal with in family offices and family businesses, um, you have to make decisions like that. Like, say, how do I want to move through my world? 
And who, do, I mean, one of my favorite things, it's kind of so lofty continuously, is continuously building your brand with a positive orientation, essentially, and be, be well, constructive. It, it, I would say a step before that, I would say, who do you want to be? And then if you want to talk about a brand that reflects that, and you can say that for your organization, you can say that personally, you should say it personally first. But yeah, who do you want to be? How do you want to move through the world? And then you get to business terms like, you know, brand and things. But first and foremost, I mean, the, the most successful um, people, organizations, there's no difference. There's no difference if you meet them in person versus you define their brand. And so one of the things about family business, um, you know, that, that I think there are wonderful examples out there of highly congruent family businesses that are kind of purpose-driven or at least values-driven first. And they've done that sometimes through generations. They certainly do that, you know, for year upon year, year after year. Um, you, you do have greater freedom um, mm -hmm. than if you're, you know, a public company and you're going quarter to quarter. True. Well, let's look at the at the the vast scale of privately held businesses and family firms and family enterprises, right? There's there's so many of of them, and almost a majority of them want to continue their legacy, right? They want to get through the G two, G three. They may or may not want to sell their company. They may want to take distributions out of it and and retain it because it's what they're passionate about, what what they know know the best. Um, mm -hmm. So. Um, in your writings, you talk about promotion of yourself, but in a way that is more inclusive and and positive and collaborative without being a jerk, let's say. So in family businesses, um, the, the group is so tightly knit, often even without outsiders and independent directors or investors. Right. Um, so for that particular audience that are closely held, how would you suggest that the individuals, let's say the children or uh, other partners in the company would expand their brand, but without overshadowing the family business or its legacy or its kind of mm -hmm. the, 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 the team rah-rah essentially of, the, of, the, of that company, right? Right, right. I mean, I, I, look, I think a lot of this has to do with um, some combination of what we're talking about in the totality of this conversation. Um, being able as an individual to be, um, how do you say, it? congruent to who you are and yet serving the system, in this case, you know, the, the family business, the family itself um, as well. I, so I have a, a, a very good friend. Her name is Molly Chang. It's T-S-C-H-A-N-G. Um, she does um, Say It Skillfully, which is a, a website. And also she's active on LinkedIn because she's built this whole thing around Say It Skillfully, which is um, the videos to show you how to have difficult conversations and, and, and content related like that. And one of the things that, that she uh, has taught me is you can bring up all sorts of challenging issues, you know, from succession to we have different financial goals to how do we work together to how do I be an individual and, you know, and yet, you know, mm -hmm. respect the family. And the real question is mm -hmm. the two things. One is, can you say what needs to be said? 
as opposed to burying it? And two, can you say it in a way that, as I said a moment ago, that serves the system? That I'm not saying, you know, I'm out for myself and, you know, screw everybody else. It's like we're trying to serve the system together. And I know serve the system is not the sexiest or warmest way to say it. But as, as long as you're doing that, you can tackle all sorts of issues successfully. <laughs> um, and, and if you don't convey that, like if one of the reasons I, I brought up Molly and I, I, I love her and her work so much because she'll give a little, you know, less than a minute example on video. And, and in, in, in 35 seconds of bringing up a subject as a, you know, she's modeling it for you. Um, she says about four things. She always says something that's a statement of mutual goals or respect and that I'm here to support, you know, what we're all doing together. And then she brings up whatever it is that she's trying to bring up. And in that sense of, you know, why are we doing this together? And let me do something constructive is really the key. Right. And that genuineness really is important in in closed sale businesses for their culture, and particularly if they ever mm -hmm. want to have investors to come into that closed knit ecosystem to be to be direct and be forthright and kind of right. open up a bit, right? Um, there's a quote by Mark Twain saying, "All motion is involuntary when genuine," so it really comes out real. Mm -hmm. um, but I see these uh, closely held businesses have a hard time sometimes opening up to outsiders. It can be an independent board director, it can be an investor, or it can be a partner coming in to um, come in and buy and build the company. So right. what are your thoughts on on that balance? Maybe some of your thoughts of experiences from uh, Wharton or some of the Marshall Goldsmith coaching of the entrepreneurs. How do you see um, some some experiences you've seen or, or conversations you've had to, to balance that internal uh, culture with um, you know, with what the outside world is looking for coming into right. that company. Well, you know, so just to explain to other people, so I'm, I'm Marshall Goldsmith's probably the most successful executive coach in the world. Um, he started this paid forward organization called 100 Coaches. He said he would teach us everything he knows for free in the soul condition. We some someday do that for other people as well. Um, that's what my bend reality is, is my attempt to do that. Um, what I've learned from Marshall, and Marshall works has worked with a lot of family businesses, um, is you know he's a huge believer in in um, self awareness and accountability. You know, so for example, uh, everybody, you know, individually, this is not a, a family business thing. It's a the members of, of the people in the business um, saying he does something called daily questions. Here's my four, five, six questions that, that I'm, you know, if I say that, you know, my priorities are family and um, tenacity and growth and, you know, whatever it is that you say, you know, he advocates, you know, at the end of every day with an accountability partner who's just someone else who's doing this too. And, and you take a minute and you call each other and you say, you know, you answer the, the five or six questions you have. Did I do my best today to, um, to love my family and on a scale of one to 10, you rate yourself and you write it down and you do this every day, you know, and you see a pattern. First of all, if you do it every day, you end up holding yourself accountable to things like that. Now, that practice also um, spawns self-awareness. Like if you have to sit down at the end of the day and say, 
and talk to one other person and say, realistically, how well did I do today? And what you see, I mean, I've done this, and sometimes you see, I got a zero or a two, you know, two weeks in a row. And then you have to decide for yourself, is that really one of my values? Or should I just take it off the list? Because if I'm getting two, you know, every day for a month, then I'm not living it. And, you know, so it's, it's that sort of thing, which, which applies, I mean, it doesn't just apply to family business, but I know through Marshall, it works very well in that setting. Um, I'd say the other thing is being willing to take um, constructive feedback, even when it's hard, even when you don't want to hear it. Um, that's essential because how do you keep lines of communication open um, in this sort of setting where there can be, you know, um, a lot of love, but also a lot of different viewpoints and perhaps different values. And, um, you know, th that's really the thing. Like if I give you feedback and, and you say, thanks, but I'm not going to do it, I'm going to stop giving you feedback. Right. Well, you can... We could do a whole nother session on emotional intelligence, but I, I like what you pointed out about some of the key building blocks. I, I do coaching with the Tony Robbins organization, mm -hmm. and I like the period, the pyramid of mastery that they point out um, within the program, building up from your um, your your person, your personal um, meaning, uh, going mm -hmm. through the management of relationships and time and work and finances right. and, and ultimately celebrating. Um, Right. So learned a lot from from that, um, but I would encourage people to look into the um, the uh, the Goldsmith 100 Coaches Program if they're interested in that. It's, it's really uh, a powerful organization. It's great that you um, that you went you went through that. Did you bring some of those insights into your books? Tell us about the books you've written and what are some of your um, your favorite mantras or lessons around leadership that you've that you. Well, I don't. I don't really use the word leadership um, very often, right. even though I I get that it's out there. Um, you know, my my the the truest to me book is how to self promote without being a jerk, and it's it's poorly named. Um, although there's reasons I named it that, but it really is uh, built on my credo, um, which talks about being generous and expert and trustworthy and clear, open minded and. Uh, and persistent and present, um, you know, it's, it's, so it's structured around those elements. And so it's really, everything I do is about how do you move through the world as a human being? And that gets reflected in all the places you spend time, work, community, friendships, you know, fitness, adventure, whatever it is, spirituality, religion, you name it. And and if you have that clear sense of um, how you want to move through the world, then everything's not easy, but at least you have a sense of um, consistency and um, what am I trying to accomplish here and how am I trying to be? If you don't, um, I mean, the problem I have with most things I read in business is that it it they're kind of ignore the fact that we're human beings. It's like economics. When I studied economics in Wharton, it was a long time ago, but I remember it was an idealized view of the world. The world doesn't actually view like the way I was taught economics. It, it's people are not rational. They are irrational and they're emotional. And, you know, so the, 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 I mean, one of my favorite 
sayings is uh, be human, not perfect. You know, to, to be an actual human being, for example, you know, if you're capable of saying, you know, I don't know how to do this. Could you help me? For example, let's say you're dealing with the next generation or right. even just bring up talent. You know, that's the most empowering thing you can say to somebody, you know, and, and, and a lot of times, you know, confident leaders or, you know, elders, that, that needs to be a learned skill. They, they're not innately, you know, willing to do that. Why should I ask for help from some upstart 27 year old, you know, because you're going to empower that person and you're going to give them an opportunity to bring out their talent. So those are the, the type of topics that really interest me. You know, how do we be more human with each other and whatever your initial motivation, whether it's family business or it's just, I want to have a world in which I actually want to live. um, That's, that's what matters to me. Well, everyone on the on this audio cast and today and, and later will be looking to make money, but um, <laughs> everybody also wants to be part of a mission where they feel that they're uh, able to be part of that culture that works for them, um, either being connected to the leaders of the organization or being a leader that is able to mm. to be an effective leader and part of part of leadership that we are learning today especially through Harvard Business Review and some other leaders like Adam Grant and, and Scott Galloway and other Martin Roll others talking about talking about corporate culture um, includes the really the human element you're talking about. So I noticed in Work Magazine, you, you wrote an article about kindfulness um, yep. and sort of having more openness in the, in the workplace. Um, and we, we also see that in Ray Dalio's work as well, um, that he's, discuss being open in terms of looking for improvement um, within Bridgewater. Maybe talk a couple of minutes about the importance of kindness, even within a context of, of you know, raw capital. Hmm. So um, you said at least three things I want to comment on. Um, the first is um, Ray Dalio, who's a complicated and very intelligent person. Um, you know, he'd be the first one to 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 support the first thing I said about focus on what matters most because he's you know has always been into mindfulness and clarity and you know do you really understand um, the subject and if you don't then if I call you out on it you should be thankful not you know uh, uh, uncomfortable with that so um, I think there's a lot to learn from him and the way he writes about um, the world. Um, Adam Grant, actually, who you mentioned, actually uh, is the only person on the cover of my book because I have one testimonial and it's from him. I think what Adam does is amazing. Um, His his give and take book is, um, which was his first big book, um, is really extraordinarily close to um, to that. You know, how to self promote without being a jerk because it's 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 giving the the most successful. His thesis is basically. the most successful people are kind of practice enlightened self-interest you do um, you ultimately will benefit more by being helpful to other people you ultimately if you do the types of things i'm talking about even if your goal is to make money you will still do better if you are other focused rather than just self-focused um, and then the, the the third thing is that um, because i know so many coaches who work with 
literally the the top executives around the world um i see a theme and and the the theme is is that there are a lot of enormously successful people who would not say late in their life that they are fulfilled or necessarily um pleased with the way their life turned out and the difference and this is not my conclusion this is a lot of smarter people than than myself um is how you deal with relationships. If you put relationships first, um, meaning the mutual, you know, not just your side, but both sides of the relationships, you won't end up in that situation where you're successful but not fulfilled, um, or successful but not happy with how your life turned out. It it is relationships and how you deal with them that is the differentiator. Um, because you're, you're you put relationships first does not make mean you won't make money. <laughs> It means you will be able to be successful, you know, whether it's money or growth or service, whatever it is. Um, and the and part is the most important. And say, wow, this this was a great ride. Um, I wouldn't change anything. You know, I made mistakes, but I wouldn't change anything. Um, and and that's that's the biggest lesson I've learned in the last ten years. And and I think the biggest lesson anybody could learn. That's wonderful. As a corollary to that, um, in business, it seems like there's a, a real drive for success and for wealth and for power, right? And so a lot of hmm. that motivation comes uh, through the what and, and the how and where and like who you're working with. But ultimately, um, it seems like there's a, uh, there's a lot of value in asking why, uh, you know, why you're doing something. Why are you working at this company? Why are you making this investment? Uh, why right. are you b building this board of people and personalities? Um, just to kind of wrap up today, tell us your thoughts on you know, how you coach and think about the why and between um, you know with between the the chapters and folds of business and how that motivates people to um, be the best. Yeah, so it's it's a I, I start my day with three columns. It's it's on a piece of paper that I call daily gratitude. And um it has three columns being, growing, doing. And um and I look at them in that order. You know, basically, who do I want to be? And there's, you know, five or six things. They don't tend to change. They're pretty much the same every day. Um, how am I growing? And then only then. Do I look at my doing column? My doing column has like all the things related to my business, my clients and projects and what are the status. And um, and I, for me, at least it works. I, I think it can work well for other people. Um, I actually got it from a, a woman, uh, those three words in um, UNICEF, who during COVID, she was instrumental in raising a billion dollars uh, to help, wow. you know, alleviate suffering around the, the world and i thought if it's good enough for her and i'm going to i actually asked her permission and uh and i, I borrowed it and uh, so I, I think that type of way you know because it's as you said why like what is the meaning i have money i don't need more money what is it that i need you know so how do i want to be in the world and then everything follows that and and that sort of clarity I think is really helpful and it gives you more traction. That's wonderful. Well, you are 
a distiller, as um, people say. So thank you for sharing um, some very thoughtful comments today about people and humanity, organizational behavior, leadership, culture. Um, it's great to dig into some of the true essence of organizations, as you say, with people, ideas, and possibilities. Bruce can be found at his website at kasanoff.com, of course, on LinkedIn, where he's going to hit the million million mark, I'm sure, soon, uh, which is impressive. And Bruce, I'm glad we we connected. And I want to thank you for, um, for today. It was very inspiring. My pleasure, Adam. And thanks to everybody who's been here. I, I really appreciate it. I'm happy to, to uh, if you want to reach out and talk, I'm happy to do that too. I want to thank you for joining today at the Family Business AudioCast and our illustrious guest, Bruce, founder of Ben Reality, influential, trusted, and well-respected expert. This is Arden Smith signing off. Stay tuned for our next episode of Family Business AudioCast on LinkedIn. Have a great day.